Welcome to Data Dialogues from Equifax, a podcast about how data-driven insights can power smarter business decisions. Welcome to Data Dialogues. Today, we are discussing how smart data can help organizations fight the evolving challenges of identity fraud. My name is Aparna Sheth. I'm a product leader here at Equifax in our identity and fraud solutions group. And I'm so happy to have Corey Shen here with me, who leads our data science team. Hi, Corey. Will you like to share more about what you do? Uh, sure. Thanks, Aparna. Happy to be here, too. And uh, I'm glad that we can discuss this, this topic together. I'm Corey Shen. I lead the identity and the fraud DNA team here in Equifax. We are the team that creates innovative solutions which are empowered by multi-source data, machine learning, and artificial intelligence. Uh, these solutions are designed to solve ID and the fraud challenges across the different industries. All right, so speaking of identity and fraud, 2020 has been quite a year. COVID accelerated digital transformation across the board. We saw a stark paradigm shift take place last year where we went from digital first to digital only business environment. And this was, of course, brought on by abrupt shelter in place orders. That's right, Aparna. I totally agree with you. You know, uh, consumers were forced to do everything online from buying groceries to ordering food. And of course, they, they are doing all the financial transactions online. You know, last year, 80% of my groceries were done through a mobile app. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. And we saw during this pandemic that not only did the new fraud schemes emerge, but we also saw the existing types of fraud has multiplied, right? Oh, that's absolutely true. You probably saw this report coming from Federal Trade Commission, right? The report showing that um, uh, they have received about, I think, uh, 275,000 fraud complaints last year. And also, um, when we track the fraud trends in our own data, we see that the authorized user abuse risk in 2020 went up by over 23% compared to 2019 and 2018. Oh, wow. Yeah, the, the other factor, of course, was also the unprecedented unemployment rates and economic downturn. And to combat that, as we all know, Congress passed trillion plus dollars of stimulus relief packages, uh, you know, to help the struggling families and give boost to the economy. We saw new fraud schemes emerge, exploiting PPP, which is the payroll protection program, as well as the expanded unemployment insurance program. And both these benefits, which were all part of the stimulus funds. So as millions of Americans were applying for help, we had these international and national criminal rings that were working relentlessly to steal these funds using sophisticated methods of identity theft. That's right, Aparna. You know, with all the relief money went to the market in 2020, I think it really made fraudsters go out loud on it. Um, matter of fact, these fraud schemes might be new, but the underlying fraud challenges are the same ones, like synthetic ID, the compromise ID, which has been around for like years. And I think that's why now more than ever, we need something better in identity and the fraud prevention. I couldn't agree more. So let's talk about how we can use data and analytics to solve this, right? 
there is just so much data out there, not just related to our credit file, but also every digital interaction that we make as individuals, right? Be it social media or, you know, when we shop online. So how do we sort through these billions of interactions and use analytics to really drive those insights that can be used to mitigate against these growing challenges? Sure. I think, Aparna, this is a great question, because if we look at today's digital paradigm, managing big data from multiple sources is no longer a challenge. What matters the most is how to make sense of big data and how to intelligently and efficiently assemble multi-source data for the right insights. And we will call it smart data because we want data to talk and we want data to be able to offer recommendations. I love it. Smart data. I mean, it sounds fantastic, right? But it's easier said than done, isn't it? Let's take synthetic identities, for example. We know that many of these have been in the system for a while and they look like legitimate people. Very often their identity information is complete and it matches to what systems have. As a, as a matter of fact, sometimes they even have a matched social media profile. That's why these fake identities look like real people and can be used to create fake businesses, defraud the system with millions of dollars of PPP or unemployment claims, right? So even if we do identi identity verification matches from multiple sources, we may not be able to catch them. So what should we do? Ah, what should we do? That's uh, this, is, this is exactly the right question. I totally agree with you. If we're just talking about matching identities from multiple sources, it is not smart data. Smart data has two components, insights and the connections. Uh, we think a real effective way to build smart data is to connect the useful insights from a graph network perspective. Let me take synthetic ID detection, for example. Here is how you can build first build useful insights from multiple sources. You want to search for the abnormal signals throughout an identity's life cycle. To do so, you will need the consumer activity data from multiple sources and from multiple systems. For example, consumer applies for credit cards or loans. Consumer check their credit online. They enroll or log into an online system. They're making payments. They're making purchases from e-commerce sites. All these different data points are consumer activity data. And then, you know, we all know that we cannot listen to what fraudsters say, but we need to watch what they do. Because fraudsters will give, it, give you a fake ID and tell you, hey, everything's good, everything match, and I want to borrow $50,000. But when you get the power of the consumer activity data, what you can do is that you can look closely into their activities and then they will, you will find out a lot of secrets about them. And here are some examples. Synthetic ID outliers appear at an early stage. You would see some synthetic IDs apply for mortgages and shop for luxury cars. However, when you look at the activity pattern for a regular legit consumer at the early stage, you will often see they only apply for cell phone, apartment, internet service, credit cards, this type of starter programs. 
Another example: sometimes synthetic ID can be a very patient game. This means that you know fraudsters can wait for a couple of years to build their credit history before they take actions. However, the interesting thing about their activity is that once they start taking actions, they do do it super fast to an extreme extent. So when this means that when you explore the trended activities, you would see these IDs can be dormant for a while, and then all of a sudden you see a huge spike in, in their activities. These huge spikes are usually something like they are desperately shopping around for money all over the place. Like for example, they try to get many credit cards and loans、um, as possible from a lot of different institutions. Also, they will act extremely anxiously in monitoring their credit. It's like they are doing this every day while they are shopping for money. So, what about the digital signals and bureau data? I would think that they are also useful in identifying synthetic identities, right?、Mm, definitely, they are definitely useful. Digital signal is pretty powerful and critical. Here is another example about synthetic ID. To establish and maintain synthetic ID, the fraudsters like to ma- manipulate identities via online channels. They like to change addresses and alter names online or from their mobile phones. At that time, you may see there could be same device links to many different IDs for name and address change request. You may also see that the IP geolocation is far away from the existing addresses they are using and the new addresses they requested. Speaking of bureau data, it is also really helpful when you use them to explore the risk signals, like piggybacking credit using authorized user abuse schemes. Ah, I see. So it's it's really neat to see how we can derive、uh, so many different insights to look for anomalies, and then use those for synthetic identity detection. So,、uh, Cory, you earlier you mentioned that one recommended way to assemble for smart data is to connect these insights in a graph network. I'm aware of link analysis, which is a very effective tool in、um, used in fraud review. Can you tell me a little bit more about graph networks? Is it the same tool you use in your lab?、Um, it, it's a little bit different from visualization. Because、so、what I'm saying that is because、um, what we do in our、uh, innovation lab is now to run one or two graphs in order to find the, the true meaning of the connections. We need to build graph networks on a very large scale data, like billions of transactions. Oh wow! Building graphs on billions of records—I mean, it's it's impressive. But there is a lot of information. So how could you make sense of these connections so that the outcome from it can be actionable? You know, versus something that's too abstract and which cannot be easily explained. Yeah, that's right. I'm glad you bring up. This is really good point because you know it is very important for our smart data to be. Um, not only predictive but also、uh, prescriptive. So, because of that, let me explain to you how、uh, you can make sense of the connections when we are processing billions of transactions, and then you can come up with the actionable recommendations through our work. So, basically, this is a machine learning capability you can build 
with a graph database on a scalable and, dist and a distributed system, such as Google Cloud. So this is what you're going to do. So first, you can link all the identities from billions of transactions based on address, phone number, email, and device. So what I mean by linking is, for example, a group of family members can be linked and connected to each other as they might be living in the same place and using the same address. However, two strangers probably cannot be connected directly because there's no reason they will live together or they will use the same email accounts. So therefore, you know, by doing this linking, you are connecting the identities. So now you're going to have millions of groups, right? Some groups connect more people and some groups connect less people. So next, you can then assign these synthetic ID insights, the ones we just talked about earlier. Remember the authorized user abuse risk, um, uh, consumer activity pattern outliers, or the high-risk digital signals. You can assign them to the identities in each group. So this way, by connecting the identities, now you are indeed connecting the insights. Hmm. Let me see if I've got this. So the first thing this tool does is link people and tie them together in a group based on some PII, right? And then you layer in the synthetic identity insights that we discussed earlier to detect anomalies which would possibly indicate synthetic identities. Is that correct? Uh, that is absolutely right. So to put into a more concrete perspective, for example, so when you have this connection, right, and you uh, you may find out a group with 100 people in it. And in this group, you can see some strangers are connected to each other. And you can also see some people in this group showing one or multiple synthetic ID risk, those synthetic ID insights. And now what does that mean to you is that this group is indeed a synthetic ID crime ring. Ah, got it. Now I can see the whole picture of how we build smart data for this use case. So you derive insights, then you connect those insights to discover a synthetic identity fraud ring. And once we do that, we can take actions, right? We can conduct fraud reviews. We can do step-up authentication against these synthetic IDs and stop them from stealing money, right? Yeah, that's absolutely right. So this is our smart data approach. We assemble data insights differently for a very effective fraud detection. And moreover, the outcome from the connected insights like you just mentioned, is indeed actionable. Thanks, Corey. This really helps me and I'm sure our listeners as well understand how our smart data strategies can be used to mitigate identity and fraud threats. So to summarize, the amount of digital transactions and data is growing exponentially since the pandemic began last year. So it is really critical we can use this data and assemble it in a way to make the data talk as in smart data, to derive actionable insights. And we have seen organizations who have recognized this and have been data-driven and proactive to be very successful in combating identity and fraud challenges for this post-pandemic era. Thank you so much, Corey, for discussing this topic with me today. It was a lot of fun.
Definitely, I feel the same way, and I really enjoyed talking about smart data with you, and enjoying talking about how we use smart data to solve synthetic ID problem. For example, it was a great conversation. Thanks. Okay, so with that, we will close out this podcast. Thank you to our listeners. If you like more information, check out our show notes. And if you like what you heard, please subscribe to the Data Dialogues podcast series. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Data Dialogues from Equifax. If you like what you heard, be sure to hit the subscribe button to be notified of future episodes and leave us a review. To keep our legal team happy, we'd like to remind you that nothing in this podcast is legal advice. And we recommend to always consult with your own legal representative to ensure your data use is handled properly. Also, the opinions and views expressed in the podcast are not intended as hard facts and advice. They're also not necessarily the views of Equifax.